With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you about Squarespace Courses. It has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. You can create engaging content your audience is going to love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Jerry's here, too. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the get-out-there-and-do-it edition. Just a couple of nobos hanging out in front of the mic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what a nobo is, prepare to learn. I thought you were going to give me a trail name. I couldn't think of one. I was as I, how about starfish? You're starfish. All right. What are you? Um, You're like, I don't uh, know. What eats a starfish? I'll be jellyfish. Jellyfish. Okay. And Jerry will be sunfish. Oh, so our little sunfish. Yeah. And it will make sense as long as we hike together. But if one of us gets ahead of the other or behind the other, then it'll just seem weird. Finally, we're talking about the Appalachian Trail. Boy, we've been asked many, 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 many times over the years to cover this by uh, generally by through hikers that are like, I, I'm listening to your show as I hike from Georgia to Maine, mm-hmm. and uh, we're finally getting down to it. Mm-hmm. It is about time for sure. And a big thank you to Dave Ruse for helping us with this one. I don't believe he ever through hiked the AT, which makes this even more impressive, all the info he came up with. You ever hiked but, in any of the AT? I think I accidentally did in maybe <laughs> Unicoi State Park and didn't oh, realize that's what I sure. was doing. Um, I had no idea I was on the AT, but no. I, I had a friend um, named Mitch who I went to high school with. Not Dirty Mitch from the Scabies episode, a different Mitch. And uh, <laughs> a few Mitch. years— <laughs> Sure. I don't know about that, but okay. still. Um, medium, medium Mitch. Uh, sure. A, a few years after uh, high school, he, he through-hiked the AT, and he was the first— and I think maybe the only person I know who has. Uh, my friend's older brother hiked mm-hmm. the AT with his dog. Nice. His sort of regular doughy black lab. And, dude, that dog came back ripped. <laughs> oh, bad. Like a, a black lab that was built like a pit bull. Yeah, I can imagine. Because one of the most physically demanding things you can do is through hike the Appalachian Trail. And through hike means that you hike the whole 2,194.3 miles from Georgia to Maine or Maine to Georgia in one straight shot, usually averaging about four to five to six months to do it. That's right. Well, not necessarily in one straight shot, as we'll see, uh, because you can do it in uh, leapfrog it and do it in chunks. Mm -hmm. And I think it all counts as long as you do it within the same year. Yeah. Uh, but for me, and I used to want to do this, I had a big gigantic, uh, AT poster that hung on my walls for many, many years (laughs) and my time has passed to do this, but, uh, I think my new goal is I would like to hike the entire Georgia portion at some point. I have hiked portions of it in Georgia, but, uh, when I wanted to hike the AT, I was always of the mindset and not that there's any right or wrong way to do it, but I wanted to do it just all in one go and not do it in chunks and just start out at Springer Mountain in Georgia mm-hmm. and end up, uh, what's the mountain in Maine? Katahdin. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's a through hike for sure. And that's yeah. the, that's, you would be a nobo, like you said, going Northbound. from, yeah, from Georgia to Maine. If you went from Maine to Georgia, which is again another way you can do it, you'd be a sobo for southbound. But the thing is, Chuck, I think 3 million people hike on the AT every year. Some little segment or portion, they're called section hikers. Anyone who doesn't hike the whole thing in one shot is a section hiker. But of those 3 million people, just a few or several thousand people 
try it, try through hiking every year. And only one in four of them is successful because it's so hard to do. Yeah, it is the longest hike-only footpath in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are longer trails for sure, uh, and at some point we might do one on the Great Pacific Crest Trail, but um, you can take pack mules and horses on the PCT. Uh, You are not allowed to. You can only take your body and your own feet on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, or as Dave puts it, on the AT, the pack animal is you. <laughs> That's a great line. I yeah, love Dave. That's great. very Yakov smirnoff <laughs> So in addition to it just being really, really long, Chuck, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's sure. a lot of crazy terrain. There's a lot of uh, dangers that we'll see. But those ups and downs amount to, over that whole distance, 464,500 feet of elevation gain and loss. And Mount Everest is about 29,000 feet. So if you started at sea level and walked up and down Everest, you'd have to do that eight times to equal that amount of elevation gain or loss that you're going to walk along the Appalachian Trail in that one straight shot. That's right. Uh, That is not to say, I mean, those are apples to oranges, but that just puts it into perspective. Sure. A lot of of mountains you're hiking up and down. I never claimed they were both apples. No, no, I know. (laughs) I just don't like... I don't want people that have climbed Everest to be like, dude, you can't even compare the two. That is such a good Everest climber (laughs) impression. I almost died up there. Bro. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's talk about this uh, (laughs) history-wise. The original uh, human being that thought this was a good idea was named Benton Mackay, who obviously was a hiker in the New England area and went to Harvard got a degree in forestry and worked as a land use planner Mm -hmm. and was hiking along in Vermont one day in the Green Mountains, climbed a big tree, looked out upon all the peaks, you know, those nice little rounded peaks of the Appalachian Mountains. Mm -hmm. Not like the Rocky Mountains. We've talked about that. Why? Uh, It's because of wind. And said, you know what? That's amazing. I've been trying to interlink trails in New England to make hikes longer Is it even possible, could we link a trail from Georgia to Maine all along this Appalachian Range? Yeah, and that's a great first thought. But then he had plenty of successive follow-up thoughts about that idea. Um, He wrote a paper called An Appalachian Trail, a Project in Regional Planning in 1921. And um, he basically said, hey, in addition to this interconnected trail that forms one big trail along the Appalachians, we can also build shelters for people hiking. We can build community camps. We can build farms that are run by labor unions and basically socialize the woods to give people a chance to get away from the rest of the world. Yeah, it was like a really, really grand plan and one that, like, super admirable, I think. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. I, I, I admire it. And, yeah, the thing is, is he was like, uh, as Dave puts it, he was the tree hugger who came up with this idea. And he definitely was. And he had a real vision for it. And people came along and said, that is a great idea. Uh, we're going to really trim off this fat about socialism and labor unions and stuff. But the rest of it we really like. And Mackay was like, hey, what do you mean fat? And uh, that that it just kind of got taken away from him from right. there. <laughs> well, sort of. He still worked a lot with... Uh, this other guy who came along who we're going to talk about named Myron Avery. Mm -hmm. And this is how Dave put it. Uh, By all accounts, Myron Avery was a grade-A jerk. Here's the thing. Myron Avery was a a lawyer, a maritime attorney, uh, a big-time hiker from Washington, D.C., who took charge of the project in 1930. And everything, I read up a lot about this guy, because anytime I see someone just kind of categorized as a big-time jerk, uh-huh. I'm, I'm kind of curious because it's probably complicated. And it sounds like he was very stubborn and he was a perfectionist mm-hmm. and he kind of just didn't want to listen to other people. Like he would go into a community and the, they, they would have ideas like, hey, why don't you get the community on board with this and get some community support? And he was like, no. He was like, we should just make this trail and then they'll see the benefit the locals will see the benefit and its value afterward. And all we need to do is just blaze forward, no pun intended, mm-hmm. as you'll see, and and just do this thing. And it sounded like he was just really tenacious. 
and he did burn bridges, and it sounded like he had a big ego, and he may have been a, a bit of a jerk and a bully, but I think it's probably a little more complicated than to just say he was a big a-hole. For sure. But he was enough of a a-hole. Are we saying that now? No, I mean, I just did. Okay. Um, and so did he, you, so. He was enough of uh, one of those that he and Mackay had a falling out, and Mackay stayed away from the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, which Myron Avery led, until Myron Avery died at age 52 of a heart attack from being such a type A personality. Yeah, I mean, they had they worked together for a while and then eventually couldn't sort of see eye to eye, so he, right. he backed out. Have you ever read the book A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson? No, but I'd like oh. to. Chuck, you will love it. It's Did great. you read it? Oh, yeah. It's it's one of those best in your late teens, early 20s, but I oh, think okay. you would appreciate it no matter what your age. It's just a great book, and he's such a great writer, and his um, his companion on the trail is just such a great like, foil and comic relief. It's just a really good book, but in it, he, he described uh, Myron Avery as blazing two, two trails, from Georgia to Maine. One was of hurt feelings and bruised egos. The other was the AT. <laughs> uh, well, for his stubborn efforts, uh, the east peak of Bigelow Mountain in Maine is now called Avery Peak. Oh, that's nice. Or A-Hole Peak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, Avery did walk the Appalachian Trail. He mapped, apparently, every square inch of it because, again, he was in charge of it. And he was such a... Um, a, a pragmatic and totally driven visionary that um, he got the AT completed in seven years and it opened to the public in 1937 because of him. That's right. Uh, and after it was completed, uh, everyone was like, this thing is great. Uh, but is anyone ever going to really, I know you link these trails, but is anyone even capable of hiking this whole thing? And we will let you know. If that's possible, well, or at least who made that possible right after this. <laughs> Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody, it's time to talk about Squarespace. Squarespace has absolutely everything you could possibly need to build whatever website you're trying to. You can host video content and organize your entire video library, plus showcase it on beautiful video pages. You can use analytics to grow your business and learn where your site visits and sales are coming from. What else, Chuck? Well, buddy, if you got merch, then you can sell it on Squarespace. You can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream that engages your audience and scales your brand. Design your products and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. Yeah, and if your business is appointment-based, you can accept appointments on your Squarespace website. You can offer online or in-person private sessions, workshops, and group classes. And Squarespace provides everything you need to manage your schedule, accept secure payments, and send automatic reminders, all in a beautifully showcased site. So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff and you're going to get a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by our friends at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, where trailblazing runs in the family. That's right, from introducing a generation to the glory of hops with their iconic pale ale to taking hazy IPAs nationwide with Hazy Little Thing, one of my favorite beers, it's an adventurous spirit that you can taste in every sip. Yeah. 
What started in a homebrew shop is now one of America's top craft breweries, known for leading the industry in sustainability. And Sierra Nevada is still family-owned, with a passion for innovation and doing things right. So find your next favorite beer wherever fine beverages are sold, from the original and always boldly hoppy pale ale to the juicy, fruit-forward, hazy little thing. With new brews for every season, there's always something to discover. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. Visit SierraNevada.com today to taste the difference. Hey, everybody. Summer is the perfect time for gathering with friends and family in the backyard to enjoy premium cuts of meat, fresh seasonal produce, and more. And, of course, we're talking about Whole Foods Market. And speaking of that meat, you can fire up the grill with premium cuts of meat like no antibiotics ever beef New York strip steak and beautifully marble boneless beef ribeye steak. Your grill will thank you. And you can also grab and go. Whole Foods Market has grab and go favorites like packaged salads, appetizers, and sides. They're really perfect for bringing to any kind of potluck barbecue. Yes, plus don't forget dessert. Every gathering needs dessert. You can dig into limited time seasonal pies from their experts in the bakery. Or how about some adult beverages? You can always fill up that cooler with some summer beers, seltzers, sparkling wine, canned wines, and more. Must be 21 plus, of course, and please drink responsibly. So make Whole Foods Market your summer grilling destination. Drum roll. Uh, (laughs) Boy, what's wrong with your drum? (laughs) You need to change your drum head, my friend. We need to work on our timing, too. Uh, Okay. What what does that mean? I finished my drum roll, and you were still talking about my drum heads. (laughs) Sorry. Let's try it again. (laughs) No? That's great. Your drum head is fine. It's really good. Uh, yes, we know that we can complete the AT. Uh, we're being coy. Many people have done it. But the very first time that it was done was but 11 years after it opened. Mm-hmm. And a man named Earl Schaefer, a Pennsylvanian from York County, a World War II vet, who, uh, you know, we what we call this now is PTSD. By, you know, back then they just, you know, called it suffering from war demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he clearly had some kind of PTSD and and was quoted as saying he wanted to walk the army out of his system and started uh, at the time. It was not at Springer Mountain in Georgia at the time. It was Mount Oglethorpe in Georgia mm-hmm. on April 4th, 1948, and didn't even have a tent. No, he had a poncho that he slept under, had paper maps. He had a compass. Uh, he was wearing Russell Moccasin Company's bird shooter boots, and they still make those. Actually, they're nice looking boots, but I, I would not want to hike the AT in them. Okay, they're very expensive. They're like four hundred and fifty bucks, but I believe they're so handmade that you can find like fingernail clippings in them. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's handmade, Chuck. That is super handmade. So he did this in 124 days. The first guy to ever thru-hike the AT did it it way above average of what people do today. Yeah, that's a good clip. Yeah, he was making about 16 miles a day on average. So not only did he, you know, set the bar by being the first person to thru-hike, he set a really high bar uh, as far as records to break. Like that wasn't just something the second person was going to do better than, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, his advice was carry as little as possible, but choose that little with care. Uh, and everyone said, duh. And he went, shut up. I'm the first one to do it. I get to have my my advice given out. Mm-hmm. And he did it again just to prove himself in 1965 and was the first person to do it both ways in mm-hmm. both directions. Yeah. And then at almost 80 years old in the late 90s, he did it one more time. Yeah. And there's Amazing. other other trail legends, but he was definitely the first. They called him Crazy One, Earl Schaefer. Yeah, and then original Crazy One, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was somebody who was just as crazy who came along. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to be Crazy One, too. And then, you know, yeah, you don't steal his name. No, that's His not trail right. name. So, Charles, um, we said that the Appalachian Trail goes from um, Georgia, Springer Mountain, 
to Mount Katahdin in Maine. And as it as it winds from one place to the other, it goes through 14 different states, some more than others. Virginia, it goes for about 550-plus miles. Ooh. West Virginia, which is very jealous of Virginia in this respect, only has 18 miles of Appalachian Trail. Yeah, that's what I said, too. <laughs> but if you add all these together, a couple hundred miles here, tens of miles here, um, you have this whole 2,194-mile trail. And on average, it takes a thru-hiker about 165 days, which, again, this is today with modern, amazing gear. Mm-hmm. It, aver- people average 165 days, and Earl Schaefer did it in 124 back in 1948, yeah, right? with fingernail it, boots. Right, exactly. It just makes his accomplishment that much more amazing. Um, but one guy showed up Earl Schaefer like nobody's business, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, a trail runner named Joe McConaughey in 2017 averaged 50 miles a day to complete the AT in 45 days, 12 hours, and 15 minutes. That's nuts. Uh, I had my little blaze pun earlier. Uh, if you've ever hiked any portion of the AT, um, you will know about the blazes. If you've never hiked the AT, you may wonder, how do you know that you're still on the AT and you don't accidentally go off on another trail, which is I possible. Yeah. Uh, but it is marked with little blazes. They're, it's a uh, rectangular uh, piece of paint. Piece of paint? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rectangular swash of paint, brush sure. stroke of paint. Yeah. Uh, and they're about, I don't know, I feel like they're about six by three inches or so. Okay. Uh, and they are on trees and rocks about every 70 feet or so. So it is a very, very well-marked, well, well-trod trail. That's hard to say. Sure. So don't, don't be afraid of getting lost. And there are plenty of people on it. Uh, it is not to say you should go into it lightly uh, or without any preparation, but it is pretty easy to find your way along the AT. Yes, it is. And you're going to encounter plenty of people along it, too, because remember, three million people a year hike it to some extent. And again, there's thousands and thousands of people who are nobos or sobos trying to through hike at any given on any, any given year. And because of the weather and the distance that you're covering, you're actually going through the AT in different seasons. Oh, yeah. So there's actually like certain windows, depending on which direction you're going, north or south, um, where you can hike the AT. So all of those thousands of people are not spread out over a full year. They're actually kind of condensed in four or five or six month periods on any given year. So you're definitely going to have lots of companions on the trail, whether you like them or not. Yeah, well, trail uh, sex is a thing, too. Yeah, I saw it's not nearly as much as you would think. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that these uh, these dirty hippies out there just sweating it up for days at a time don't mind knocking boots under the stars, but no. it's, not, it's not the sexiest uh, way to do things. I saw that that was saved for town. <laughs> oh, okay. Like your, your zero day, like you take a down day, maybe stay in a cheap hotel, mm-hmm. take a shower, mm-hmm. meet a friend. Starfish. Meat and jellyfish meet starfish. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they have sunfish. Sure. That's wow, how so, that... Something weird just happened. I'm glad we planned that out <laughs> and came full circle. Uh, so if you are a no-bo, you are going to want to... And if you want to hike the AT, there are books out there that like... And websites and, and blogs that will tell you very specifically exactly... You can map it down to the day if you want, like day one, day two, um, yeah. or you can kind of do your own thing. But generally, if you're a nobo, you're probably going to want to start uh, at Springer Mountain in the early spring, in like March or April. So those first couple of months, those first few months, actually, you're going to be hiking in pretty good weather uh, as far as it getting too hot. Uh, it will get uh, elevation. You can get snow still for sure mm-hmm. in March and April in North Carolina and Tennessee, even parts of Georgia. So the disadvantage there is that you will have to pack some cold weather gear for your first 500 miles or so, which you can ditch and mail, uh, mail home at some point if you want. Right. Uh, but you have a much longer um, stretch of time to finish your through hike than you do if you're going from Maine to Georgia or southbound. 
Um, and because you have a much more limited window of about four to five months, um, you have to cover a lot of miles every day. So being a, a Sobo, if you see a Sobo on the trail, this is probably not their first hike. Yeah. They're usually pretty ex- experienced and can make it over some unforgiving terrain a lot faster than the average hiker, I would guess. Uh, for sure. And you talked about the amount of people hiking. Uh, there is something called the bubble. So early on in March and April, uh, the Nobo areas get pretty, and when we say congested, it's not like you're surrounded by like hundreds of people, mm-hmm. but it definitely thins out as you go. Yeah, but that's a real advantage to being a Sobo is far fewer people start north to south. Yeah. Um, so you're going to run into a lot less people at the time. And by the time south you do start- north. Or do I, yeah. No, sorry. north to south. <laughs> I'm confused. But, and by the time you do start running into those original members of the bubble, they've thinned out. Because again, remember, only one in four people make it all the way through the AT. And it's not like they all make it close to the end. People burn out at different spots along the way. Yeah. Uh, and then I mentioned at the very beginning, the flip-flopping technique. That is when you're doing it in chunks to really try and get the best weather everywhere you are at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a leapfrogging route where you would start in Georgia in April, uh, late April, just so you maybe don't get that snow that we were talking about. Right. Uh, You hike to West Virginia to Harper's Ferry, Mm -hmm. and then you leapfrog. You can take a car. You can take a train. Anyway, you would normally get somewhere, not by foot. You would go to (laughs) uh, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, then hike north from there to finish up by September before that cold weather, and then you leapfrog back down to Great Barrington and hike that southern portion back down to Harper's Ferry that you skipped. And there you have it. If you ever want to hike the AT, just pack a backpack and listen to what Chuck just said and just go for it. You don't need any other information. (laughs) That's correct, I think. Actually, you do need a tremendous amount of information, and luckily there's a lot of information out there on the web, a lot of really good free advice. Um, if if you are thinking about um, hiking the AT, I'm sure you have already found a lot of these. But a good place to start if you're just if this episode inspires you is probably uh, the subreddit for the Appalachian Trail. So I noticed there's a ton of good advice on there. Um, and just if, whatever question you have, just ask it and type Appalachian Trail, and there's probably pages and pages of people who have great advice and suggestions on how to do this. Um, And we'll share a little bit with you right now, huh, about sleeping and eating? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I used to do plenty of backpacking, so I'm familiar with all this stuff. Now I'm a a car camper mainly, but I am going to get back into backpacking at some point. Okay. Um, But I still have all that gear, but boy, it's it's a lot lighter now than when I bought it. Um, You can get an ultralight tent these days that weigh less than 20 ounces, my friend. That it's about light. 1.17 pounds. That's like uh, the, the weight of a cockatiel, a big one. <laughs> That's right. So leave your cockatiel at home too. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you're going to want an ultralight tent unless you're going to really, really either sleep in a hammock or just, you know, sleep under the ground under a, a tarp or something. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest an ultralight tent. Uh, but there are 250 shelters along the way. Uh, I've slept in a couple of these. They're, it's just you know, two walls and a roof and a, and a sort of like a small deck that you're sleeping on. And it's first come first serve. Uh, you, some of them have little outhouses. Uh, some of them don't, they're usually near water, like a river or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, and I have camped uh, on these with strangers and it can be a lot of fun sometimes meeting people like that. Oh yeah. If you're going to through hike the AT, you need to get used to interacting with strangers in close quarters for just for times like this. But also, you know, on the trail, you run into lots of strangers and a lot of times they want to stop and talk or whatever. But um, I saw that those rustic shelters are um, first come first serve. So even if you meticulously planned your hike um, to hit one of these, did you say they're about eight miles apart? I didn't, but that's about right, yeah. So, and that's like, you know, that's an average day's walk for a very average hiker. And they they purposely spread them out like that. And they're a little further spread out if there's a town in between them with hotels and hostels and all that. But you can meticulously plan your, your route so that you hit one of these shelters every night so you're you're you have shelter without needing a tent but if there's a lot of people on the trail you may be SOL when you show up at that shelter because it's full up by with eight people in their sleeping bags and there's no room for you 
Yeah, that's when you're going to want that tent as a backup at the very least. Mm-hmm. And you can camp right behind the shelter if you still want to hang out with people. Because I don't know if we mentioned this, but there are a lot of different reasons people hike the AT. Some people really want to get away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what I have read and talked to people who have done it, even those people, when you're out there for five and a half months, can enjoy talking with someone every few days. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even the weirdos want to talk to people sometimes. <laughs> or you may not. They, there's probably names for everything. There are probably names for people that don't want to socialize, mm-hmm. like a little AT uh, sort of made-up name they give them. Sure. Um, or, trail hermits, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Termits. Right. Termites. Yeah, termites is what they call them. Yeah. We've entered uh, Cockney rhyming, rhyming slang here. <laughs> um, food is another thing. Obviously, you're going to be eating uh, a lot of calories or at least burning up a lot of calories and ideally replenishing those calories with food. Um, you will lose a ton of weight uh, hiking the AT if you're a through hiker. Mm-hmm. And you need about two pounds of food a day. And you want to resupply generally every three to 10 days, depending on kind of how you want to plan it out and how much weight you want to carry. Uh, And there are great books, again, that can tell you exactly how to do this. But you're either going to be replenishing on the trail when you hit a town or a lot of people mail or have family members mail their stuff uh, ahead of time to post offices that you'll hit. Yeah. Um, some people mail their own stuff or they have friends and family do it for them. And there's a lot of lot of um, websites dedicated to teaching you how to do that successfully and giving you the addresses you need and where you can and can't send send stuff. But the, the upshot is, is you're not going to have to carry your five-month supply of food with you the no, whole time. No, people no. have figured out how to not do it. And there's no shame whatsoever in going into town, not only to eat or to resupply and restock up on food, but also to sleep too. Like people take zero days. I think you mentioned earlier where you just you just take the day off, or maybe yeah. even two days off if you're particularly burned out, and you just kind of recuperate and recharge and get back on the trail after that. So that's definitely part of uh, AT culture. That's not like cheating or anything, right? Like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and apparently, it's a tradition to uh, to go on a feast. And when you're in a town, just to mm-hmm. really eat just a bunch of high-calorie junk uh, to load up on calories and I think to maybe satisfy uh, a certain urge that's not being met on the trail when you're eating, uh, you know, uh, Dave calls it gorp. I'd never heard it called that, but like trail mix and mm-hmm. and freeze-dried food and stuff like that, even though that stuff has come a long way and how good it tastes. I will say I, that. I looked it up. Gorp stands for good old raisins and peanuts. Oh, okay. Isn't that delightful? That may be a regional thing. I've never heard anyone call it that here. Yeah, I have never heard it either, which is why I was like, what is this GORP stuff? <laughs> Looks like I'm a glad, typo. I didn't, I'm glad you, uh, I didn't know it was an acronym. It definitely it does not accurately convey what it's talking about because GORP sounds disgusting, <laughs> but raisins and peanuts are not disgusting. Yeah, Dave also has in here the average cost of gear that you buy is about 1000 bucks. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is... Uh, can vary wildly. I think mm-hmm. it really depends on how much gear you already have because that one-pound tent that I uh, was talking about is a $700 tent. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Like, it, it, you can also, like, buy your stuff off of, like, eBay or Craigslist or something like that sure. and probably save a tremendous amount of money compared to going to REI and buying everything brand new. Um, and also, especially if you're a first-timer, you're definitely going to overpurchase, overplan, and overpack. So I would guess if you're if you're a first-time thru-hiker, you are going to spend substantially more than you would on maybe your second attempt. Yeah, and I think at the beginning of, no matter where you start in Maine, and it's weird that he can do this in both places, but uh, Sam Elliott is at the front at the trailhead going through your pack and saying, you don't need this, you don't need this, get rid of this, why would you even have this? Mm -hmm. And just tearing your pack apart, basically, until you're down to, you know, that ultralight tent and some gorp. Yeah, and by proxy, tearing you apart psychologically. (laughs) Yeah. He was was kind of a jerk lately about that uh, Power of the Dog movie. I forgot about that. What what do you mean he was a jerk? What did he do? He the power of the dog came out and he was just kind of like, well, the, you know what? These candy butts and their homosexual cowboy notions and that's oh, not really? that's not the West I knew. 
What's his problem? Yeah, Unless he just, knew he was born in like 1950. Sort of crotchety old guy, uh, homophobic crotchety old guy, which was very disappointing. Well, I, that's I, great, Sam I Elliott. Like Sam Elliott. Um, but getting back to the money, uh, you're going to spend about a grand a month. They just say to at least plan on about $1,000 a month. So between five and $7,000, depending on how long you're going to take to hike it. Yes. So cough up the simoleons, everybody. Or prepare to. And also prepare to listen to some commercials because we're going to take a break real quick. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Hey, everybody. Summer is the perfect time for gathering with friends and family in the backyard to enjoy premium cuts of meat, fresh seasonal produce, and more. And of course, we're talking about Whole Foods Market. And speaking of that meat, you can fire up the grill with premium cuts of meat like no antibiotics ever beef New York strip steak and beautifully marbled boneless beef ribeye steak. Your grill will thank you. And you can also grab and go. Whole Foods Market has grab and go favorites like packaged salads, appetizers, and sides. They're really perfect for bringing to any kind of potluck barbecue. Yes, plus don't forget dessert. Every gathering needs dessert. You can dig into limited time seasonal pies from their experts in the bakery. Or how about some adult beverages? You can always fill up that cooler with some summer beers, seltzers, sparkling wine, canned wines, and more. Must be 21 plus, of course, and please drink responsibly. So make Whole Foods Market your summer grilling destination. Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by our friends at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, where trailblazing runs in the family. That's right. From introducing a generation to the glory of hops with their iconic pale ale to taking hazy IPAs nationwide with Hazy Little Thing, one of my favorite beers, it's an adventurous spirit that you can taste in every sip. Yeah. What started in a homebrew shop is now one of America's top craft breweries, known for leading the industry in sustainability. And Sierra Nevada is still family-owned, with a passion for innovation and doing things right. So find your next favorite beer wherever fine beverages are sold. From the original and always boldly hoppy pale ale to the juicy, fruit-forward, hazy little thing. With new brews for every season, there's always something to discover. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. Visit SierraNevada.com today to taste the difference. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. With no use of coatings, you can use metal tools to flip, press, and scrape without worry. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. Everything rusts and nobody talks about it because they couldn't fix it until now. With Weber's new rust resistance technology, your Weber will last for years. Yeah, when used, the carbon steel griddle hardens and bonds the surface, which reduces the ability for moisture to collect and rust to form. Plus, the griddle heats evenly edge-to-edge reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. That's right. And with the Weber Works Prep Cook and Store System, you can keep cooking and cleaning supplies handy, carry food and condiments from the kitchen to the griddle, and even convert the side table into a prep station. So get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. All right. Well, let's talk weather. Uh, if you're hiking the AT, we mentioned potentially, potentially the snow at the beginning of the northbound route, 
or you know Maine is crazy. You might you might get a late snow in in May or early June in Maine even at, at uh, elevation. So you're going to have some cold weather to contend with for a little while at least, right? Yes, one way or another. And again, um, if you have cold weather stuff that you need to eventually ditch, you don't have to plan on carrying it the whole time. You can go to one of those same post offices that you pick up your mail drop at and mail it back, mail back your cold weather gear. So or leave a, little, that. leave a little trail magic for someone, you know what I'm saying? There you go. I wonder. <laughs> I'll bet a lot of people do that, to tell you the truth. You think? Yeah, and then hypothermia, because there's cold weather associated with the, the um, hike, uh, it's a real problem. And it's not just from being snowed on. It's actually much less likely from being snowed on. It's more likely from being hit by a cold rain and being soaked and then hit with some very cold wind, which can happen at high altitudes. And all of a sudden, your core temperature is dropping very quickly. So you have to get naked and try to warm up as fast as you can. That's right. Uh, the the clothing that they make these days is amazing. It's very lightweight. Uh, these synthetic uh, weaves that wick the water away, they dry out super fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not like the stuff in the Schaefer days and this other uh, wonderful hero that we're going to talk about in a little bit, this mm-hmm. woman. I cannot wait to get to her. Me uh, but you're also going to hit really hot, humid balmy weather in the in the thick of it in the summer in the middle of that hike mm-hmm. uh you're going to be depleted of your electrolytes and your salts you could suffer from cramping and heat stroke and heat exhaustion uh so they say to count on a couple of liters of water a day uh and obviously you're not going to carry that much weight so you're gonna gonna want to use and i got one of these too a, a one of those beautiful little lightweight uh, water purifying systems that you just kind of pump into your water bottle from a, a running beautiful stream. Yeah, you pump and dump into your water bottle. That's right. And then also, Chuck, I mean, you want to keep up with your water. You really need to keep up with your calories because, like you said, you're going to lose a ton of weight. And apparently, even if you ate 4,000 calories a day, by the time you were done with your through hike, on average, you would have probably lost 10 to 20 pounds, and you would look like a, a black lab that is ripped like a pit bull. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And that's a cool reason to do it, you know? It is, but I also saw that it can lead to a lot of, um, like, guilt or shame when you start to gain your weight back because everybody's been telling you how amazing you look. Right. And then when you get back to normal life, it can be really difficult. Right. There's something called uh, hiker's hunger Uh where it is you're just starving and you can eat those incredible large amounts of food, calorie-dense food, and just keep shedding the pounds because you're exerting yourself so much. But when you get off of the trail when you're done, yeah. you're not exerting yourself any longer, but that that hiker's hunger can still linger. So you're actually eating way more than you would have before you started the trail. And you really have to kind of keep up with it or else you can gain whatever weight you have back and then some. But yeah, I saw that there's there, there can be guilt associated with with not looking like that any longer after a little while yeah yeah so if you next time you see a, a buddy come off of a through hike on the at don't tell them how amazing they look just say it's good to see you yeah exactly i'm glad you're back safe yeah and then they'll go you know you say anything about how great i look <laughs> right what's wrong <laughs> with this guy i thought we were friends uh there are animal dangers of course uh, snakes and spiders and bears uh, and things like that uh, ticks are a big, big part of the, the problem. Uh, Lyme disease is huge. You're going to get ticks if you hike the AT. So you want to check that every night around your ankles and armpits and groin area and waistline and everywhere that ticks like to hide out. I, dude, uh, I saw that people drop their pants and squat over an iPhone and video, like run a video of their underside or undercarriage huh. and then watch the video to see if there's any hiding there that they can't feel. Or the stranger that they met in the thing, they say, hey, ch- I looked at the video a few times. Will you just give it a once-over? Right. And the the stranger says, I'm a termite. Please leave me alone. <laughs> uh, bears, I did mention, uh, you don't want your food to be left out. If you are an experienced camper and hiker, you know this stuff. But uh, some places, they have bear boxes, but you can't count on a bear box being there. Um, there are bear-proof canisters you can carry, but what you're mm-hmm. probably going to do is just what's called a bear hang, which go about 200 feet away from your campsite and loop a rope over a tree and pull your food up at least 12 feet off the ground. Yeah, every single night without yeah. fail. 
And they still might get it. Bears are crafty. They are crafty, but at least they're doing it 200 feet away from where you're sleeping. (laughs) Exactly. You know? Um, A lot of people get injured, too, but um, very few people die. Uh, Two to three people out of, again, three million people die on the AT every year. That actually seems like it would be way higher than that. Yeah. Um, And there have only been, I say only, but to me, statistically speaking, it seems low, 13 murders on the trail. And the first one wasn't until 1974. Yeah, and I looked this up, and they did. Uh, it, I'm not going to bother going on the crazy apples to apples math they had to do <laughs> to to make it work out to like just being living in the United States in a regular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But they did do that math if you want to go out there and look. Uh, but they found that your chances of getting murdered on the AT are a thousand times less likely than just being a regular American walking around uh, on a daily basis. Man. I'm really glad you said that because all you have to do is hear about 13 murders on the trail or I some know. people die. And just the fact that you're putting it in the context of dying out in the woods or being murdered out in the woods, it seems so much worse. So I think that's a really reassuring thing you just said. Uh, it is. And I was also curious about sexual assault uh, type of things. And, of course, things go unreported, so I'm not naive enough to think that this accounts for all of them. Mm-hmm. But they said that there is one, uh, basically one reported rape every two to three years, and that it is more dangerous to live on a college campus than it is to hike the AT. So oh boy. I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse, depending <laughs> on if you're on a college campus or not. But th- the point is, it is generally a, a pretty safe, um, helpful community out there. Yeah, that's one of the reasons it's safe is because there's such a uh, established culture and there is such tight community out there, not only among strangers, but among the, the townsfolk. Like, this these this trail goes through or right past some towns that part of their industry is supporting Appalachian Trail through hikers. Yeah. Um, and so they're really kind and generous and, um, and uh, helpful. Um, out on the trail. Some people will just go out on the trail who live in town and take like snacks and drinks and stuff and just hand them out to people who are walking on the Appalachian Trail. Right. So, I mean, like there's, that's, that's like kind of like the the vibe and the zeitgeist on the AT, not everybody's out for themselves and, you know, don't don't turn your back on a stranger because they'll hit you with a hatchet and take your one pound tent. Right. Um, it's nothing like that. It's actually quite the opposite of that from everything I can tell. Uh, we have kind of joked around about these trail names, but that is one thing that you do, uh, or at least you're encouraged to do, is give yourself a trail name, only go by that trail name. And it's a symbolic thing that you are leaving your old identity behind for now. You are becoming a new person on the trail, and it's kind of fun, I think. Yeah, but I mean, that that kind of goes to underscore, like, why people hike the AT, and one of them is to, like, just get away from their life to kind of reset their perspective on things or think things through or, you know, go through a transition. Um, And that, you know, taking a trail name is a really good way to just become somebody different for a little while or not your usual self. It gives you that kind of freedom, I think. Yeah, and just don't don't use the trail name Ted Bundy, and you should be fine. <laughs> right. Good luck. Um, you mentioned the towns that are behind this. There is uh, in Damascus, Virginia, in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a week long festival called Trail Days, where there's a hiker parade, and everyone gets showered with water balloons and water guns, and they're sort of celebrated. Uh, there's the half gallon ice cream. Uh, challenge or rite of passage in uh, Pine Grove Furnace State Park in Pennsylvania, where you get a half gallon of ice cream from Pine Grove Furnace General Store and try to eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Not That sounds like a lot of fun to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't think you have to hike the AT to try that. <laughs> also, Chuck, apparently on the summer solstice in June, um, there's Hike Naked Day. Not for and me. That is that is a thing. And my my friend Mitch told me that he hiked most of it naked, not just on hi- on hike naked day. Like there's a lot of naked hiking, or at least there used to be in the late nineties. Okay, good for Mitch. Yeah, that's what I said too. And this is medium uh, hygiene, Mitch. Right, not right? dirty, Mitch. <laughs> okay, no one wants to see that. Uh, I mentioned trail magic. That is not something I was just making fun of or made up. Uh, trail magic is defined. <laughs> by the AT Conservancy 
as uh, I think it, people could be cynical about stuff like this. But no, the fact that you had to say that too is like, it just goes to show how lame the words trail magic are. I know. <laughs> you know. Uh, the AT Conservancy defines it, uh, and it's finding what you need most when you least expect it, or experiencing something rare, extraordinary, or inspiring in nature, or encountering unexpected acts of generosity that restore your faith in humanity. Mm-hmm. And it is something like, hey, man, uh, you need you need that? I've got that, and here it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It also can take the form of even like verbal encouragement from townsfolk in the towns that you walk through, you yeah. know? So, um, I want to also clarify, the term trail magic is what I think is lame. That concept of trail magic, yeah, I yeah. think, is beautiful. No, I'm with you. I think it's wonderful. And like you said, you know, something inspiring in nature. When you're on the trail, you might see things that you're never, ever going to see again for the rest of your life and have never seen before, including some types of animals or just certain views. Um, and, th- like, that experience can be, uh, there's no other way to put it, magical. It can, that's what helps helps you when you're kind of on this passage through the AT if you're going through a life transition or if you're trying to figure yourself out seeing stuff like that bearing witness to it and letting it like um, impress upon you that helps that process I think probably tremendously yeah or like somebody filming their butthole with an iPhone (laughs) that's right trail magic Uh, All right, I think we should (laughs) close the show in this episode with uh I think I can speak for both of us and say one of our new favorite amazing women and human beings to ever live, uh, Emma Grandma Gatewood. True dat, who was the first woman to walk the AT by herself um, all the way back in 1955 when she was 67. And this is 1955-67. That's like 150 today. Right. Right, and it, as if that wasn't enough, it just gets better and better. Uh, she was the mother of 11 kids, 23 grandkids, had a 30-year marriage to an awful, abusive, physically abusive husband mm-hmm. uh, who apparently would beat her nearly to death at times, uh, eventually divorced this uh, garbage human, raised those 11 children by herself, and then in the 1950s read a Nat Geo article about the AT and about Schaefer's thru-hike and said, in 1953, told her grandchildren, I'm sorry, her grown children, Mm -hmm. that she was going for a hike, end quote, (laughs) and tried to hike the AT right then and there. Starting at Mount Katahdin, which... It, again, if you if you're a sobo, you're that's for experienced hikers, not a first timer who's going for a hike at age 67 in 1955. So, uh, in, in apparently very short order, she fell, she broke her glasses, she got lost, she basically turned into Velma from Scooby Doo, uh-huh. and she was rescued by rangers. And you would think, okay, that's the end of the story. That she, you know, she had a wild hair and she tried it and it didn't work. No. In 1955, two years later, she said, let me try this from Georgia instead. And she was able to through-hike the entire Appalachian Trail. Unbelievable. You look up pictures of this lady, and you're like, wait a minute. It looks like she's just holding a rucksack over her shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's exactly what she did. She didn't have a backpack. She didn't have a sleeping bag. She didn't have a compass. She had a homemade denim duffel bag that she (laughs) draped over her shoulder that had a blanket, uh, a shower curtain that she used as a sleeping tarp, basically. Right. Uh, she had a canteen for water, uh, apparently a small pot, a spoon, a Swiss Army knife, uh, some pins, a first aid kit, a flashlight, a piece of rope, a raincoat, a warmer coat, and a change of clothes. And she hiked the whole thing in Ked's sneakers. Yeah, seven pairs. Did kids take advantage of this back then in their <laughs> I advertising? I don't know. They could probably still take advantage of it. It's that astounding, you know? They should. And despite wearing nothing but kids and carrying this denim duffel bag, which I would guess is probably pretty heavy, yeah. um, she managed an average of 14 miles a day. And, of course, people heard about her and newspapers started covering her and all that. So townsfolk came out and said, like, hey— you can sleep in our house, no charge. We want to feed you and put you up. We just think what you're doing is great. And she said, I appreciate it, but most nights she slept out on a bed of leaves. 
amazing. I salute you, Grandma Gatewood. Mm-hmm. She, uh, there were not many women, obviously, hiking the AT at the time at all, much less through hiking. Uh, I think they make up, uh, women make up about a third of all through hikers today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she went on to hike it, uh, I think, a couple of more times too, right? Yeah, two years later, she hiked it again. So she became the first person, man or woman, to hike the trail twice. And she did it a third time in 1964. That time she divided into sections. So, yeah, she was definitely, uh, she definitely, again, there's really no other way to put it. She was a trailblazer for women on the AT. I'm sorry, but that's just how you put it. (laughs) Uh, A couple of other standouts we should mention. Um, just last year, in 2021, uh, MJ Sonny Eberhardt uh, became the oldest person to complete a thru-hike at 83 years young. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was uh, Sonny's name on the trail? Nimblewood Nomad. Very nice. What else? <laughs> How about that touch kid? Of trail magic to it. <laughs> it does. Yeah, the same year, another record was set. The youngest thru-hiker, a five-year-old named Harvey Sutton, who started off when he was four and walked it in 209 days with his parents. Unbelievable. Uh, Harvey's trail name was Little Man, <clears throat> and I read an article about this, and it, it just sound, sounded like a wonderful family experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one guy hiked with the family from uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania through to Maine, just kind of buddied up with them, mm-hmm. and was like, this kid, at the end of a day, like, our butts are kicked, and he's like, let's play freeze tag. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. And, and just, mm-hmm. you know, the parents had to work overtime to keep them engaged. And so you can't just like be alone with your thoughts for, you know, 10 hours a day on the trail with a five-year-old. Like, right. you got to be pointing things out and playing little games. And so they said that was challenging, but they said they were just closer than they'd ever been as a family, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Did they say anything about feeding them? Because I would find it distressing as a parent to to know that I needed to keep up with thousands of calories yeah, that my know. kid needed. So, I mean, hats off to his parents for, for doing that and then successfully doing it too, you know? Yeah, I did see that there was um, another kid that finished at four named Juniper Net- Netterberg. Wow. Uh, a young girl that finished it... In- this is amazing, in a Wonder Woman costume, <laughs> um, but apparently did it in sections and took time off. Oh, okay. And I, I think did it within a year's time, but didn't do the straight through hike like Harvey Sutton did. But uh, big salute to Juniper as well. Yeah. Uh, as well as Bill Irwin, right? Yeah, he definitely bears mentioning. He was the first man who was blind to hike the Appalachian Trail through hike in 1990. And he did it with his dog, Orient. Apparently, the pair together were called the Orient Express. Amazing. And it, it took him eight months. Again, this is not like this trail is not just like some well-worn dirt path for 2,000 miles. No, no. You're climbing over boulders. You're climbing up mountains, down mountains. You're crossing streams and rivers. Apparently, they would do that because Orient would go across and then bark at Bill so he knew where to swim across this river to get to uh, the other side. This Lord. is what they did, and they did it in eight months. And he estimates that he fell about 5,000 times over that eight months, but he still made it from Georgia to Katahdin. You know what that means, my friend? He got up 5,000 times. That's right. Pretty neat, Chuck. I love, Amazing I love story. your brain. Do you love my body? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Starfish. I don't know why this episode is so blue. I don't either, but it sure was. Hopefully it inspired some people to go out and do this, you know? I hope so. Uh, it's a very cool thing. I'm glad we finally got around to it. Hopefully there's some through hikers listening right now that can mm-hmm. write in and let us know what's going on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, let us know your trail name, too. Uh, if you want to know more about the AT, just start doing research, and there's plenty of stuff out there, and hopefully it'll draw you out into the woods. And since I said draw you out into the woods, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this a kidney donation story. It's pretty great. Okay. Hello, chaps. Love the program. Uh, Listen with more interest than usual to the app on kidney donation. I donated to a family friend a couple of years ago. Uh, We actually were in adjoining surgery rooms. Out of me, into him, lickety split. Wow. Uh, We're both doing well. His kids nicknamed the organ Little Kirby after me, (laughs) which I took as a high compliment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you asked how you got the kidney out. They do make a three-inch long incision low on the bikini line up front, and they just slid it out. Wow. So I think it, it must just sort of flatten out or something. Uh, that and then incision... they take it and they feed it to the other person <laughs> and hope it lands in the right spot. 
that incision was actually the worst part of the recovery. It took about a month to heal up in my case. Uh, I told my sisters that they then made you poop the kidney out, and I think part of them wanted to believe me. <laughs> uh, thanks for encouraging folks to join the registry. It was well worth it, and the need is great. Uh, that is from Kirby in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Very nice, Kirby. Hats off to you for doing that. That's amazing. And hats off to everybody who's done that. A few people have written in and let us know that they've done that. So anyone who does that, is it A-OK in our book? Agreed. If you want to be like Kirby and let us know how you are A-OK, we want to hear it. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, friends, when someone says Amazon, do you think healthcare? Well, maybe you should. Amazon One Medical offers same-day appointments, and if somehow that's still not convenient enough, they have 24-7 virtual care. Not only that, there's also Amazon Pharmacy, so after your virtual care appointment, Amazon will deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. Now, waiting in line with people who are sick with who knows what. It's a new era of healthcare. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today. Or just call them at 844-900-RUBY. Looking to turbocharge your customer experience results? Take a look at Nice CX-1, the world's most complete cloud-native customer experience platform. You'll achieve faster customer resolutions with intelligent self-service and streamlined agent assistance, all thanks to the scalability and flexibility of the cloud. No matter how big or how small your organization is, it's now easier than ever to create exceptional customer experiences. Visit Nice.com to get started today. That's Nice.com.